Welcome to the Love Rising Podcast. Our intention with this podcast is to record thought-provoking and empowering conversations with leading experts in the fields of nutrition, movement, mental and emotional health, and spiritual connection. And we're your hosts, Kylie and Clara. In the professional realm, Clara is a nutrition therapy practitioner, voice dialogue therapist, and essential oil educator. Clara also loves deep conversations about psychology, sales and marketing, singing in her husband's band, and traveling. Random fact, Clara and her husband's band name is The Meat Sweats. That's right. <laughs> look look for our first selfie. In the professional realm, Kylie is a certified transformational nutrition coach and personal trainer. In the less professional realm, you can find her traveling with her hubby and fur baby in their sprinter band. Hashtag Chan Van Adventures. Random fact, Kylie tried out for the Chargers cheer team and made it from 300 down to 100. Welcome to the Love Rising, everyone. Today we have um, a very special guest. I'm super excited to share her with you guys. She's amazing um, and she has so much just knowledge. And so uh, we are going to welcome Chelsea Gross and we are going to talk a little bit more about this idea of manifesting. And today we're going to really talk about body acceptance and food freedom. Um, so a little bit about Chelsea. Chelsea Gross is a certified transformational nutrition coach, just like I am, uh, who works one-on-one -on -one with clients, women specifically, who are ready to break free from dieting, make peace with food, and create the life they love. Her passion for wellness comes from her own struggle with multiple health issues and a disordered relationship with food and her body for nearly a decade. A debilitating chronic pain in 2014 was a rock-bottom moment and the catalyst for her to finally address her health issues and heal her relationship with food. Transformational nutrition training taught her that things don't happen to us. They happen to us for which changed her life and outlook forever. She turned her mess into her message, now inspiring and empowering women that no matter how dark things seem, it can always get better and you are not alone. Chelsea uses the power of science-based nutrition, real food, and the magic of mindset to support her clients in gaining permanent change and releasing the obsession around food. So I am loving that Chelsea is with us today. Like I said, we both are ITN graduates, and um, you know, I actually we both do a little bit of work with ITN, um, the Institute of Transformational Nutrition, and so that's really where I was first hooked up, hooked up with Chelsea. And of course, as you do, you kind of kind of check into what all these amazing people are doing. These people that are inspiring, and you and I found out that she has this awesome podcast. Um, she is working with clients in such a powerful way, and I love, love, love her line that she uses, power of science-based nutrition, real food, and the magic of mindset. That is so important. So um, welcome, Chelsea. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, she's such a seasoned podcaster, so this will be fun. <laughs> I know. It's so different, though, doing your own versus an interview. What's, I know. Your, what's your podcast called? I my podcast? Yeah, my podcast is called Nutrition-ish. So I actually host it with an NTP, which you are, right, Claire? Are you yeah, an NTP? I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, that's, that's cool. We have the, yeah, we have the same kind of combination yeah. of co-hosts. And uh, yeah, we've been doing it now. Oh, we're coming up on our year. So it's been awesome. Oh, I love it. And we'll be sure to link 
to all that, your podcast, your website, so you guys stay tuned or head to um, head to our show notes. Um, but Chelsea, we really want to dive in and would love for you to share your story with our audience and really where how you got to where you are today. Yes, I would love to. Thanks. So yeah, like you mentioned in my bio, um, I, I have had a very long struggle with mostly the biggest part of my story is really the disordered eating, a disordered relationship with food in my body. But I've also struggled with just multiple different health issues and also chronic pain. So my story is long and multifaceted, but in looking back and reflecting on my past and how I kind of developed all those things, I really believe that it manifested from really a deep insecurity in who I was and just not feeling loved, not feeling good enough growing up. So I know this is a really common part of a lot of people's stories, but back in the 90s when this happened for me and my parents got divorced, um, it, was, it was pretty traumatic for me. Um, I went to a really small school. I probably only had 15 kids in my school at that point. I was in fifth grade and I was the first one in my class to have parents separate. And I remember just feeling like, what's wrong with me? Like, what's wrong with my family that this is happening? And just kind of the kind of the shame of going back and forth to my mom and dad's house when I was so young and I saw all these other kids, you know, only having one house and even having sleepovers and friends over after school. I just, I don't know, I just felt really out of place by that. And my dad has always suffered with a lot of mental health issues and being at his house was really difficult for me. I just felt really uneasy there. I felt unsafe. And unfortunately, I also feel like I related more to my dad just because, as I'll explain more in a, lot, in a lot of my story, I've struggled a lot with anxiety and depression. And it, it kind of freaked me out that I saw that I was more similar to him. And I, I didn't want that. And then I loved being at my mom's house, but I didn't fit in with them because they were very unemotional. They were more like independent, strong women. And um, I'm a very, very sensitive person. I'm super empathetic. And I started developing a lot of anxiety, I think, from going back and forth from my dad and my mom's house. And just, yeah, this, I just remember being almost like a depressed kid and feeling just like this sense of sadness and just not fitting in. And so I started developing a lot of anxiety, specifically around my mom starting to date again and her telling me she'd be home at a certain hour. She'd say she'd be home at 9 p.m. at night and 901 would hit, and all of a sudden I would just instantly think she got in a car crash and died. And that was really this cycle of like these just zero to 60 anxious thoughts that I started developing. And I would approach my mom and my sister about it, and they would just say, that's wrong, you shouldn't feel that way, you know, what's wrong with you, don't be like that. And so very quickly I learned there is something wrong with me, my own family doesn't accept me, I don't fit in, and then this person that I do relate to more has all these issues and you know it just was kind of a very confusing overwhelming situation for me growing up and that's when then a lot of my health issues started so in high school I started having chronic headaches that we never got to the bottom of um, and then I started getting chronic viral infections so I started getting sick every single month um, and that that led into college as well and I missed out on a lot of like fun social things in college because I was just chronically getting sick and that's also the time when my disordered eating started. So like I mentioned, I went to a really small school and I decided for some reason to go to a huge, huge university. So I actually went to Arizona State University for college 
And I went from one of the smallest schools probably to the largest college in the country. And I joined a sorority. I didn't know anyone when I went to Arizona. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so it was a really big, huge shift for me. And I just, of course, like any kid, wanted to desperately fit in. Um, I was already small. Like, I went through puberty really, really late in life. I was, like, the last girl in my class to get my period. And it's funny to look back because I had then this, like, lifelong struggle with wanting to be smaller. But in high school, I felt so embarrassed. Like, I had no boobs and I would stuff my bra and all this stuff just, like, you know, wanting to fit in. And then all of a sudden, when I went to college, I felt like I needed to lose more weight to fit in with them. So just this whole confusing thing that we go through. Um, so yeah, so I was already pretty small, but I was around just these gorgeous, perfect body girls in college, in my sorority. And I remember picking up on a lot of their habits. And I remember I had this girlfriend who would only eat one half of a sandwich or one half of a sushi roll and she would get full. And I, I just started thinking, well, gosh, I've got to start eating less. And I wanted to get attention from guys. I'd never had a boyfriend before. And so I went home the summer after my freshman year of college, and I just decided that's what was going to happen. I was going to lose weight. So back then, we, I didn't have any information really on how to do that. I just thought, well, you just need to eat less, and you need to exercise more. So I remember discovering protein bars and eating half of that as a meal, or I had a part-time job over the summer, and I remember I'd get home late from that job and just skip dinner. So just little things like that that I would kind of test myself, you know, to do and see if it would help me lose weight. And then just doing a lot of like cardio. So a lot of the elliptical and the, the treadmill and things like that at the local YMCA. And I lost a lot of weight really quickly. And I came back to school. And unfortunately, because this fueled my desire to lose more, I started getting a lot of attention. Um, I started dating my first real boyfriend and, and fell in love for the first time. Um, and I was still really, really under eating. Looking back, I was eating, you know, I don't even think they have these anymore, but chewy bars, these 80 calorie chewy bars, I'll never forget them. Um, like plain tuna for lunch or this healthy ch choice, hundred calorie soup and just, just, you know, obviously really, really restricting and under eating. But unfortunately I thought that I had kind of figured it out because I had always struggled so much growing up with not feeling worthy and not feeling good enough. And then all of a sudden I lost weight and that equaled me finding this boyfriend and having a lot of friends and getting attention. And so I just sort of equated that with my self-worth. And that's really where a lot of problems snowballed for me from that point on. Um, Cause I wasn't able to remove, like to separate the two for a really long time and up until a few years ago. And then when I broke up with that boyfriend, um, that was obviously incredibly painful for a, you know, 20 year old. And I started emotionally eating for the first time. So I didn't know how to cope with the pain that I was dealing with. So I, I started eating and I was allowing myself all the things that I had put off limits. So I was, you know, trying out pizza and Taco Bell and, and um, you know, late night eating and all this stuff that I saw all my other friends do. And obviously I started gaining some weight and that totally freaked me out. Um, and then I went abroad to London for the summer the uh, before my senior year of college, I went abroad, and we were drinking a lot there. We were eating. It was at, it was a crazy time, and I packed on more weight. And I came back, and all of a sudden, I was totally freaked out. I had I didn't even know who I was when I looked in the mirror, and I just felt wildly insecure. I hated myself. I hated my body, 
And instantly, the only thing I knew was you've got to try to lose weight again. So that's when things got really bad and really disordered because I started really, you know, dieting and restricting. And I had done that before, but it didn't work this time. And um, I started restricting and then I would binge at night. Um, So it was this just restrict binge cycle and it was totally shameful. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. This was such a long time ago. Um, You know, there was no social media or, or anything like that to see that I wasn't alone in what I was going through. Um, and then this is actually something that I've, I've never talked about on my podcast, on a podcast. I just recently talked about it for the first time ever on Instagram. So I've put it out there. Um, but, uh, the end of my senior year of college, I went through the most horrific thing. I think someone may, maybe someone could almost go through. And I actually got arrested for a DUI when I was 21 and it was a horrific mistake that I never forgave myself for. Um, It was very, very shameful. Thank God no one was hurt, but to deal with what could have happened, I, I tortured myself. I punished myself for the fact that it could have. And um, it was just very shameful. That's my only memory of graduating from college is everything I had to deal with after that and the aftermath and the shame and the guilt and just trying to, to cope. And of course, I started coping more with food, which um, then I had graduated. I moved out to LA, which is just so crazy again to look back, like such an interesting choice for someone to make who's feeling all these things. To move out to LA, I was pursuing acting, um, and I had all these horrible disordered eating habits and body image issues, and I was definitely dealing with PTSD from the DUI and just you know, just so much emotional, emotional trauma and um, really, really punishing myself for it. And um, that pretty much just catapulted into many, many years of serious disordered eating. So what it turned into was, again, me every day waking up trying to restrict and I was still trying to count calories. That was all I knew how to do back then. And of course, inevitably, um, I would end up binging at night after restricting during the day. And then I started purging um, to make up for it. And that also piled on more shame and guilt. And it was all, all, everything I had been through was kind of this whole deep, dark secret. And I lost a lot of my friends. Um, I was just really unhappy, obviously. And um, yeah, it just, it continued to get really, really bad. I kept trying to fix myself with just going on another diet or working out or just trying to, I don't know, just jump from any diet that I could that would somehow help me eat less. And um, it was just a really, my early 20s were just a really, really, really horrible time. Um, Things finally started getting a little bit better for me in 2012 when I was living with a roommate at the time where I had previously been living alone. So my disordered eating was way more out of control. And when I started living with her, it got a little bit better. and I, I met Scott, who's now my fiance. So he's my boyfriend at the time. And that was a really healthy, great relationship. And that helped me feel kind of just that support and that unconditional love that I needed. Um, unfortunately, I also got then on another big weight loss kick because at the time, my acting manager um, had asked me to lose weight, which was also just another really hard thing to experience, like someone sitting you down and asking you to lose weight. Um, and back then I, the only thing I knew was, okay, I've got to diet again and I've got to work out more. So I hired a trainer here in LA who essentially put me on a bodybuilder diet 
And I was working out two hours a day and I was eating egg whites and raw almonds and plain oatmeal and spinach and chicken breast, like a total kind of classic bodybuilder, which I was not striving to be a bodybuilder at all. And um, yeah, I lost a lot of weight really, really quickly. And I think looking back, like reflecting back on that time, the universe was like, she hasn't learned what she need, needed to learn yet. Because again, I just couldn't separate from my my self-worth being put into my weight or my size. So again, I was going down that path and I thought that, okay, I've lost the weight again. Now I've got this boyfriend and the friends and everything's going to be okay. So when I look back kind of at what happened after that, I can put the pieces together. So a year or two after that, I started gaining weight back and then I hurt my back. So I overdid it in yoga, got in like a hot yoga kick going from really doing no yoga to that and doing it all the time. And I hurt my back, which turned into just chronic pain. And I spent the next, this was in 2014, I spent the next nine months just going through absolute hell. Um, I had no awareness of holistic health or holistic treatments. So I was seeing all types of conventional doctors and spine specialists and pain specialists. They were putting me on medications and telling me I had fibromyalgia and depression and, um, just doing injections and treatments and all this stuff. And I was not getting better. I just kept getting worse. And I basically hit a total utter rock bottom as if everything I'd been through up until that point wasn't difficult enough. Um, everything just really fell apart. I knew I wasn't passionate about acting anymore. I was working um, a part-time retail job that I had to quit because um, I just couldn't be on my feet and lifting and standing and bending due to my chronic back pain. So I was essentially just laying around every single day, just totally depressed. And I, I thought so many times how much easier it would be to just die. And I used to daydream about just ending my life and just pretty much getting out of this misery. And I was still really struggling with the disordered eating. It all came back when I hurt my back because I couldn't work out and I was eating more because I was trying to soothe my emotions. And so I kept, I was gaining more weight and just, um, I started binging and purging again and it was just a mess. And so luckily somewhere, <laughs> somehow I found just a sliver of hope one night, just pretty much crying and telling Scott everything and just deciding like, there has got to be more out there than this. Like this, cause it had been a now pretty much almost 10 years of just countless struggle. And I just knew there had to be something else better. And that's, thank God, when I found ITN, which is school Kylie went to, which is the Institute of Transformational Nutrition. And I pretty much just stumbled across it. I was kind of looking for something to do that um, I could do from home. And I had always loved health and nutrition, but I thought who would who would I be to help others when I've struggled so much? But amazingly enough, what we learn and learn so much in ITN, which really incorporates science, psychology, and spirituality, is that things, like I said, things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And when I heard that, my life kind of changed forever because I was able to look back at everything I had been through and make peace with it because I knew it was for a greater purpose. And like I said, I'm this very sensitive and emotional, empathetic person. So I knew that I could use my story to connect with other people. And I didn't know how yet when I was first going through school, when I first graduated and started my business. But I knew that there was something deep inside of me that if I, you know, 
didn't give up through all those years, all that trauma and all that hardship and all those health issues and the disordered eating, then there had to be some reason I was still here and something that I could do with it and I could help other people. And like I said, and I learned this in ITN too, that it was the first time I'd been around other people who were going through stuff too, or had been through health issues or struggles with food in their body. I had never ran in a circle where other people were struggling. I somehow always had friends that seemed to have it all together. And I probably gravitated towards those people to try to, because subconsciously I was beating myself up about how I felt about myself. So I had a lot of comparison around friend groups and stuff like that as well. But long story short, um, ITN really changed everything for me. Um, and I knew I could really uh, make my mess my message and start a business I was passionate about. Um, and once I got started with that, I really got in a groove with it. And I started being more vulnerable and connecting with people. And it just felt amazing. Um, and unfortunately, I won't go into the whole tangent of all this stuff. But um, the chronic pain has still been a part of my story. Um, I've had to work so much on my mindset and my relationship with pain to be able to overcome it and manage it and try to live, you know, a quality life and um, not let it derail all the progress that I've made in so many other aspects of my life. Um, but I, I still struggle with it. It's definitely gotten better as I've obviously started working on things holistically and getting to the root of the issue. Um, and then, um, right after I started nutrition school, again, I think the universe was like, you haven't learned what you need to learn yet. And I kind of felt like things were getting better. And then um, I started dealing with chronic gut distension and chronic bloating. And I spent the next couple years um, trying to get to the bottom of that, seeing functional medicine doctors and naturopaths and doing all the things, all the healing diets, all the tests, and everything. And finally, summer of 2017, I got diagnosed with Lyme disease and two co-infections of Lyme, which are the root of this gut issue that I've been dealing with. So I've certainly had my, my challenges continue, but they've definitely continued to teach me. And every time that I struggle with something, I try to tell myself, again, this is happening for me. And I now have a better way to relate to my clients, to relate to my community, um, and to really work on myself and my mindset, because if it was never for hurting my back and, and um, then like the issues that came from Lyme, there's no way that I would have the awareness that I do now and have the ability to really work with people on their mindset. And it just, it, all that stuff just really was for the greater good, as difficult as it was. Um, but the, the great thing is, is that I've definitely healed my relationship with food. And like I said, um, what I work on with my clients is really learning the science behind things. So I'm really huge on empowering people and teaching them and educating them so that they feel really confident to break that dieting cycle and, and teach them that it's not just calories in, calories out. And I work a lot too on restriction and being and preventing um, the restriction and also a lot of forgiveness in when you feel like you've messed up and just really helping people to break the cycle through just a lot of compassion um, and that's because that's what I've had to do with my story. So long, long, long story. <laughs> I think it's such a, it's so powerful because I, I mean, I know so many of our listeners will resonate with so many pieces of that story. And I do too. Like, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, there you go. Like, that's, that's my story. I mean, there's, there's differences, of course, and there's uniqueness to every person, but that's, you know, my story too. And so I think, um, it's great. Thank you. And it, you know, not only does it just make, like, it gives us the solidarity of like, oh, people go through a lot of stuff and they still turn out, you know, to do what they love and, and to have a life that's healthy and happy and, 
And um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Clara. You said exactly what I was thinking. I was like, there's so many people that relate to all the bits and pieces of your story. And, and there's a few things that I'm so glad you brought attention to. And it's really like the, the power of emotional trauma and how it can manifest into physical form so, so easily. I mean, everybody yeah. has experienced that. And, and I think it's so powerful when you talk about how it's still part of your day, but you're moving towards being more vulnerable and taking a look at the root cause and so have you found that as you continue to really kind of go within and, and kind of dig deeper than just service level, level to um, release like the emotional trauma, do you feel that that aids in your physical manifestation of these emotions and this pain? Oh yeah, 100%. And it's crazy. Once you can connect the two and see that it's often stemming from emotional you know, basically it's stuck energy, right? So I, I can tell when I'm stressed or when I'm frustrated or when I'm holding on to something that my issues get, like my bloating will get worse or my pain will get worse. And so that's why it's like working backwards. And that's why you do have to go back and figure out where everything's coming from and work on the emotional side of things. Because what most people do is just cover it up through band-aids, right? Like whether that's a pill or, um, you know, another diet or losing weight or whatever, you know, part of, part of you that you're trying to change and fix. Um, I feel like that's just our culture and that's our society of, because the emotions are uncomfortable. No one, like for me to talk about that stuff, it's gotten easier. But like I said, there's some things I've never really even talked about. The DUI stuff I haven't shared for 10 years. I've buried that deep down inside of me for a decade. And so there's a lot of stuff that maybe we don't even realize is affecting us. So you do have to actually like sit with it and talk it through and bring it up to the surface. But the beauty is once you bring it up, it's not, it doesn't have as much power as you used to give it. And you can actually like release and let go. And if emotions are just built up energy and stagnant energy, once you can like kind of shake that stuff up or just remove some of like the stigma and shame and whatever kind of emotion you've attached to it you can let go. And that's awesome. Like that should be, it's scary. It's a hard process, but it's also very empowering to know that there's more that you can do than just like take something for, you know, whatever kind of ailment you're, you're dealing with. Yeah. And if we, and if we compartmentalize parts of our story, this is okay to talk about, and this is not okay to talk about, or this was, this was a, this was an okay stumbling block and this wasn't then we're, I mean, then we're fractured, right? That's the whole like point of manifesting and, and magnetism is the more we can be our whole selves, the more magnetic we are, right? The more we take in all pieces of ourselves and kind of hold them and say, this is who I am. And I'm proud of who it's made me. I'm not necessarily proud of that specific action that I took or specific behavior, but I'm proud that it brought me to where I am. I mean, then that becomes magnetic, right? Like, yeah. so, um, yeah, I think it's really important for people to hear that too, because I think we all, especially when we get on, um, you know, this health journey and we're like, all these things I did before, those are the old me and now I'm the new me. And now I'm this person who's healthy and doesn't make mistakes like that and is um, thinking about my, you know, like, like I'm a good person now back then I wasn't 
it's like then you know we're, we're not doing ourselves any favors to pretend like the past didn't happen and we actually become happier and more integrated as we as we take in those pieces and are just like not necessarily broadcasting them out to the world all the time but that we're not ashamed of them you know that we're like this yeah. is this taught me a lesson this showed me something about myself yeah then that's why like i'll always shout this from the rooftops things don't happen to us they happen for us like i think about that every single day because for so long I lived, and this was a hard thing for me to get to a place to admit, but I lived in a victim mentality. I was always like, why me? What's wrong with me? And I know now why, based on kind of the story I shared with how I grew up and compared myself to my family members and just didn't feel like I fit in. But I, when I would get sick or something bad would happen or whatever it was growing up and through college, early 20s, whatever, I was like, why is this happening to me? Like, what's wrong with me? Why do I deserve this? And just fixating on that. And then there's no resolution. You just feel confused and overwhelmed and like you're a bad person that deserves it. So being able to look back at all of our like kind of icky, even like icky stuff or our challenges or darkness or whatever it is that we've been through, if you can see, well, that happened for a greater purpose. And even if you can connect the dots to exactly what it happened for, like, did it make you strong? Did it make you more knowledgeable? Like, did it make you more compassionate, vulnerable, whatever? Like there's is so much power in giving specificity to what it did do for you. And then you just don't feel as bad about it anymore. It just, it helps you let go of so much of it and you can actually then move forward and be happy with your life instead of dwelling in the past and just feeling confused about why all that happened. Yeah, there's so much there. And one thing I wanted to kind of add to that is when you do uncover and like when you bring it to the surface and you, whether you clear it or you start to notice the healing, like more is going to come up. There's always going to be more. And so it's so important that when we have this conversation that people realize that you don't just do the work once and then you're cleared for the rest of your life. It's like stuff is going to come up every day from the past, from like in the moment. And Claire and I talk a lot about triggers and noticing them. And so you, you said it exactly, you know, perfectly um, to noticing what those are and trying to link them to what, what we're experiencing. Um, so one thing that, and this is kind of going off the questions we had, but um, I would love to kind of have you explain how we can manifest inner peace um, by using, or kind of by like identifying and noticing the root cause, noticing those past traumas. So how can we really use um, how can we create inner peace um, as far as like body acceptance and re our relationship with food? Yeah. I mean, I think just like we've been talking about being able to identify where it's coming from for you. So for a lot of people, it's probably something that happened to connect to body image or maybe a disordered relationship with food. If you look back at how you grew up, so maybe there's something that happened with your, for a lot of women, it's probably like your mother figure or an older sister or someone like that who maybe talked a lot about dieting or talked a lot about weighing themselves or hating their body. Or, and it can be something small. A lot of people think you have to have gone through immense trauma to deserve to feel, you know, really just upset or confused or overwhelmed by your, your current struggles. And it can be something so small. Like I remember growing up, my mom saying, Oh, I was good today. And like kind of holding her stomach. Like, I was good today. Meaning like she deserved a cookie or something for dessert. And I remember my sister doing crunches in front of the TV growing up. Like those are my memories. And I feel like those, 
small things actually were ingrained in me and made me feel more insecure. Like those are things that I should do or just the way it shaped my perception of food in my body. So it doesn't have to be something, you know, totally traumatic that you went through. It can be something really small. So just even opening your mind up to maybe what happened. And it could also be like, um, at school, maybe someone said something to you, or maybe you noticed that you were in a different size body than the other girls at school, or someone made fun of you or whatever it is going back and seeing like, where did all this stem from and what kind of story did that create for you? And so I think, you know, just being able to go back and identify that and pinpoint it, that helps you first and foremost, like make peace with everything. And then how do you want to feel, you know, like, if you could go back and maybe something did happen to you in school and someone said something to you or made you feel bad, what would you want to tell your younger self to make her feel better, feel good in her body? Or what would you want to teach her, help her feel more strong or safe or taken care of? And then how can you then tell yourself those things now? And so manifesting is simply, I feel like it's, it's working so much with the, the subconscious, helping you to reprogram and reframe things. And then also speaking in like this positive tense of like what you want to create. But for so many women, they're so scared to go there. Like I see this all the time in my clients, you guys probably have too, where people feel like they failed so many times before. They feel like they should know what to do and they haven't been able to do it. So they beat up on themselves and that prevents so many people from ever trying again. And the reality is, and I used to feel this too, is that we feel safety in that failure because that's all we've ever known. So it feels unusual and uncomfortable for us to think that we could actually break free from this stuff. So you have to sort of tackle that too. Like what is actually staying stuck afford you? Probably safety. And so you just have to, you just have to coach yourself through it and basically allow yourself to dream big, allow yourself to create a future that feels good. And what does that look like exactly? Like, what do you feel in your body? What does it look like? What's your relationship with food? Like, what do you feel on a day-to-day basis? What are your emotions like? So just getting really, really clear and allowing yourself to go there. I just see so many people not even allowing themselves to go there. And I think that's their biggest roadblock. So, yeah, no, I love, I love that. And, um, I think there's two things that kind of to go back a little bit is just that I just wanted to say that it's so important yeah, to not compare our traumas, like to not say, well, this person had this, you know, extreme um, trauma, emotional, physical, whatever. And I just had my sister doing crunches in front of the TV. Like that comparison, it does, it's like when we, when we really realize that we're all on our own path, like it doesn't matter what other people have gone through or not gone through. And, and it doesn't matter if we compare it to what we've gone through because we're on our own journey and the things that happen to us are meaning to teach us our lessons in the perfect way for us. Um, and so that's, it's so important to realize. I think we, I see that a lot too, like just saying, well, nothing really happened to me or I was super privileged and I didn't, you know, have any extreme experiences, but I still have this, this disordered body image or this disordered eating pattern. And, um, I just think, yeah, that it's really important to, to not compare our traumas. (laughs) Um, um, and then the other, the other thing I wanted to touch on, um, is that piece about people not feeling comfortable actually in the piece. Right. And then, yeah. So, so they sabotage it or they don't want to change or they, 
on some subconscious level. And you're so right. Manifesting comes from worth on a subconscious level, not on a conscious level. Um, like, yes, we can think on a conscious level that we deserve peace and that we want um, food and freedom. But on a subconscious level, if we're not there, it won't happen. So we have to dig underneath that and say, what is this giving me? Like you said, like, what is this pattern giving me? It's giving me safety. It's giving me comfort. It's uh, giving me a sense of control. That's a really big one. That was the biggest one for me, at least in my story. It was like, it gave me a sense of control when I felt out of control. Um, and what that does is when, when we start to bring awareness, I always say awareness deconditions. Like it starts to decondition when we, we, when we become aware, we can't help but stop the pattern, you know, because it's like, oh, I see why I'm doing that. And then I guess I can't, I can't really do it anymore. And then we have to take action. We have to be consistent. We have to practice. But awareness will start to decondition the patterns. Um, but if we say, well, I always fail at that. I'm never consistent. I don't think I'm the same as someone else who's been able to do that. We immediately cut off any source of, um, we immediately cut off any source of change. You know, it's like, well, we just kept ourselves in this in this strict box, um, but we have to believe it's possible and, and invest in our future self. You know, with our thoughts, with our practices, with our daily actions, like keep investing in the future instead of inv investing based on what our past patterns were. You know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think awareness is such a superpower. It's the, the only place to start. <laughs> You've got to get aware and out of that autopilot place. And that's like you're talking about, that's their story. That's our story. We get so caught up in our story being the only thing that could ever pan out. And I remember just always telling myself, I will always struggle with food in my body. I just thought that was my identity and my inevitable future. But that's why I now say like, no matter where you're at, no matter how dark things seem, it can always get better. You just have to decide that it can. Yeah, that's so good. And sometimes I like to have to think about it this way, like the past is not real in this moment. So how can I decide in this moment intentionally how I want to experience? And that's really where we can start to manifest. We're interrupting this amazing conversation briefly to let you know that on our website, loverisingpodcast.com, you can download our free rise guide. The rise guide lays out two practices for your rising, as well as gives you a sweet visualization. Let the love rise up. And one thing that I also wanted to, and maybe you've seen this with clients, um, is we talk about manifesting. We talk about, um, you know, making a decision of how we want to perceive ourselves um, in a healthy light, but it's almost like we're, we're like manipulating it. And so we we envision ourselves as the size, you know, this size or like, you know, okay, visualize inner peace and inner peace might look like being super skinny and super, whatever it might be. Um, and so just, I think it's important that we also address that self-acceptance and actual like mm, inner peace is going to be more important than visualizing and trying to manifest like the person that you think others will accept. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who, because a lot of my clients are people who've lo- have lost weight before, who've been in a thinner body and then gained the weight back and then are on this disordered eating, constantly dieting, binging kind of cycle, which is so similar to my story. And we look back at that time, like I said, I look back and I thought I had it figured out, but I truly wasn't happy. It was just a period of time that I could convince myself that I was because of what society thinks of a thinner body and how, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of, when I work with my clients, um, we'll look back at that time and I'll ask them, were you actually really happy? Did you actually really feel good about yourself? And a lot of the time people will say, no, we romanticize and fantasize about that thinner body or that period of time where we feel like we figured it out and we lost weight. But at the end of the day, there's always a dark side and not, not for everyone. So I shouldn't say that 100% of the time, some people really do get there in a healthy way and it's, it's totally fine. And there's nothing wrong by the way with weight loss goals. But, um, a lot of the time people are miserable. They're restricted. Maybe their digestion sucks. They're depressed. Their energy sucks. They feel isolated. They don't want to go out to eat because they're fearful of, you know, the food that's going to be at the restaurant or, you know, they're just in a bad, they're just still unhappy. There's so many things, there's so many factors that we forget about and that we think um, didn't exist just because we were in this thinner body. So for a lot of people, it's important to look back and know that you weren't actually probably very happy in that time. And no matter what size you're in, you deserve to be happy. So you just have to like acknowledge that. And again, open your eyes to the fact that there's so much more that exists to happiness besides your size. And what I do with my clients is, is help them, you know, even list out those things that they really care about. Like what's your, I call it the powerhouse why. What's your real why to wanting to feel good? Or, you know, what things do you really want to achieve? Is it simply just weight loss or is it confidence and, you know, strength and knowledge and, you know, whatever it is, like, what do you actually really want? Because those things that you actually really want can happen without just simply the weight loss. So it's just, we're just so ingrained to think differently. So you just kind of have to talk it through and work on it and, and get to the bottom of what you actually really want and be able to see that it doesn't have to coexist with weight loss. So what do you say to people that, cause I just know this cause because of my clients, but the, there'll be people that are kind of have like sticking points on that. They're like, yeah, but I would, you know, I'll be healthier or my, um, I'll be able to move around better or, um, they're just, they get really fixated on that weight loss as a, as the vehicle of their happiness, I guess. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said, I don't think that weight loss goals are bad. I'm not, I, cause I don't know. There's a lot of people that, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go down that whole tangent, but you guys know what I'm saying where I don't think it's bad, but it has to come from the right place. So if it's, and if you are physically in a body that you truly are uncomfortable physically, you do not feel good and weight loss would help alleviate maybe chronic pain or joint pain or any plethora of health issues, then that's okay. But we've got to work on the other stuff at the same time and it can't be your priority. And the reality is when you start taking care of yourself, your mind and your body, and you physically need to lose weight, it will happen it may be slower than you want it to, than you're used to, but it will happen. The body wants to be in a healthy body, but you have to stop being at war with it. You have to stop punishing it. You have to stop restricting it and maybe doing the tactics that you used to use to lose weight. So um, really, I just, it, 
again, you can have those goals, but it has to be you putting a priority on everything else that matters more. So maybe it is you being able to feel good in your body and run around with your kids or, you know, whatever it is. Okay, let's focus on that. Yes, maybe the weight loss would get you there as well. But if we can just focus more on taking the kind of the, you know, for lack of better words, the weight off of the weight loss goals and focus on everything else, you'll just get away from that diet mentality, that restriction, that fixation on your size and your body. And like, let's also not constantly weight your, weigh yourself and let's not check in about, you know, your body size and your measurements, you know, let's just work on everything else and take it slow. Cause so many people are just so used to the quick fix kind of thing. So it's just taking a different approach and making sure that you want it for the right reasons and that you maintain wanting it for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. And it, weight loss is so superficial, you know, it, it, if you want to run around and play with your kids, like, yes, there's a physical aspect of that, like being able to run around and not feel tired immediately. But there's also like, when I envision that the feeling I get is like one of like, being able to relax and like, let go and like, have, um, you know, a light heart and be and be um, be engaged in the moment. And those are the real like, feelings underneath that that we want so badly. It's not necessarily the surface level body that's going to give us feeling light at heart and feeling um, present and feeling connected. Like those things come from mindfulness <laughs> um, and, and, other, and other internal work, not the physical body. Yeah, that's so good. So I know we've talked and we've kind of thrown out a lot of different techniques and tools um, that people can do to really help themselves um, finding more peace within body and food acceptance. Um, but what is one thing, if you were to hone it in, one thing that our listeners can start doing today that will help them to cultivate more body acceptance and kind of food freedom um, through manifestation or just in general, whatever works best. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know that I've given so many specific tools. I am kind of a big picture gal. And sometimes I, I'm like, tell my clients, sorry if you feel frustrated by this, but yeah. we're going to focus on less of the tangible things just because so many people are so fixated on like, what's one habit I can do? What can I eat or not eat? And I want to get people away from that and working so much more on the mindset. So what I really recommend to everyone is practicing forgiveness. Just like I said, awareness is a superpower. I think forgiveness is a superpower. And it's come up multiple times in my life. As you can see from my story, there's so many things that I've had to work towards forgiving myself for and not punishing myself for. The punishment is what fueled my disordered relationship with food. It's really what fueled me being a binge eater and a purger and just all that guilt and shame wrapped up into that, if you can just simply forgive yourself, so very specifically relating it to maybe someone's relationship with food and maybe they are someone who restricts and binges because that's just such a common cycle. If you can, after that binge or not even, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a binge. Maybe it's a day you feel like you've ate, you ate too much or feel like you ate something that you shouldn't have eaten or whatever it is. It can be on a, you know, a small to grand scale. If you can just simply in that moment decide wholeheartedly to forgive yourself, you will break the cycle. So 
all these people who are trying to like not eat as much or not binge or not emotionally eat, they just think, well, just stop doing it. Just have willpower. Just distract yourself. That works for maybe a day until it doesn't and you're right back where you started. If you can truly forgive yourself, then you tell yourself that you didn't do anything bad and that there's not anything wrong with you and you don't need to fix it. That will stop the cycle in its tracks. So, you know, like we've been talking about in this conversation, going back to, well, why did it happen? So say you emotionally ate or you binged or something like that. Well, maybe you're really stressed or maybe you are having relationship issues or maybe you feel unfulfilled in your life or unhappy. It can be a million different things, right? If you can go back and see, well, why did that happen? Then that removes some of the pressure right off the bat. You're able to kind of make peace with what happened instead of just like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like I, I'm always eating too much or something. That's the story a lot of people create. I'm worthless. I'm lazy. I don't have good willpower. None of that is true. What's true is maybe like you were just coping the best way that you knew how with the tools that you currently have and you had a bad day or you know, something difficult happened or whatever it is, right? If you can actually um, make peace with that, see why you were triggered to do that and then forgive yourself. So you're going to be able to forgive yourself because you're going to know why it happened and then you're not going to have to course correct. So that's why then you're not going to have to like purge or uh, restrict yourself the next day or over exercise or whatever it is. There's nothing to make up for. And then you can just get back in the groove with your normal day-to-day habits the next day. I just see so many people going up and down, up and down. I mean, it's this constant on the wagon, off the wagon. And really like I, and you know, this black and white cycle, if you can start to exist in the gray zone, like you will just have such a better relationship with food in your body. It won't, it won't be such a huge swing one way to the other. So I think forgiveness is so, so important and we all mess up. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing my story and now even sharing more stuff that I've never talked about before, because I felt shame about that stuff. So if I can, like, that's why I'm here to put and I mean, on this earth and this podcast, you know what I mean? I'm here to share my story and tell other people they're not alone. If I can say, look, I've been through this and we all have, I think most of us who get into this line of work have all been through stuff. And, um, you know, if we can forgive ourselves, you can too. So I just think forgiveness is, is so important. I love that you call them superpowers. I agree. I love that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. You can't transcend if you don't accept, Mm -hmm. you know? You just can't. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so Chelsea, if you could tell our listeners where they can find you, that would be great. And of course, we'll link in the show notes too. Yeah. So my website is nutritionwithchelsea.com. My Instagram is also nutritionwithchelsea. And then, like I said, I have a podcast with um, her name's Allie Hobson. She's an NTP. It's called Nutrition Ish. We're on iTunes, um, or you can listen directly from our website. Our Instagram for that is also nutritionish underscore podcast. And um, yeah, I also have a private Facebook group, also Nutrition with Chelsea. You can find everything linked through my Instagram bio. But love to connect with you guys. I also actually have an ebook too called Break Free from Disordered Eating. It's a mini ebook. It's an easy read. And it actually talks a lot about a lot of the concepts I talked about today. You can grab that through my Instagram as well. Uh, so yeah, good. Sounds like so many good things. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Go hit up Chelsea, everyone. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Chelsea. It was so, so awesome and fun to have you. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Now that the fun is over, we wanted to take a moment to drop some gratitude for lending us your ears. For more on Clara, head over to Instagram and check her out at Revolutionary Lifestyle. For more on me, go to Instagram and check out me at Kylie Seifert underscore Kyfit.